You're listening to The Leonard Lopate Show on AM820 and 93.9 WNYC. Joan Didion came to New York from Sacramento in the 1950s, then after almost a decade here, decided to leave New York and move to Los Angeles. In 1967, she published the essay, Goodbye to All That, about falling in and out of love with the city and deciding it was time to leave it. Now in Goodbye to All That, Writers on Loving and Leaving New York, which is published by Seal Press, 28 authors, all women, pay homage to Joan Didion's great essay and tell their stories of what drew them to New York and why they chose to leave. Joining us now are contributors Ruth Curry, Megan Daum, Emma Straub, and Sari Botten, who is also the collection's editor. Welcome to our show. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Sarah, in addition to editing this collection, you also wrote the introduction and contributed a piece called Real Estate, about your own departure from the city. How did the idea of this book come about in the first place? Well, eight years ago, I got kicked out of my apartment, and I moved upstate. And the more I talked to people who were just like me up there, I realized we all had stories that were very similar. Um, We left for a variety of reasons, but everybody had the same experience of, at some point, becoming disenchanted with New York City, even though we all still loved it, this love-hate relationship. Um, And most of the people that I know up there are writers, and we all talked about that essay. Oh, it's very much like the Didion essay. And then I thought, oh, you know, I could pull together a collection of these. Well, I lived upstate for a, a brief time. Oh, yeah? And I found myself driving into Manhattan almost every weekend. I worked in New York as well, but I drove into Manhattan because, to be honest, there were no decent movie theaters. There surely wasn't a museum within uh, 25 miles or so. In fact, I had to go to Manhattan. Um, there are, there's a trade-off, isn't there? Oh, there's a huge trade-off. I will say, though, that there's – I don't know how long ago you lived there, but it's very different now. Oh, they've, they've put a museum in Valley Cottage these days? <laughs> well, I – I hear MoMA is uh, opening a branch there. <laughs> I live right down the block from the Rosendale Theater, which is an indie movie theater that has – you know, current films and theater, and there's great. There's a lot of arts um, now, but um, there is a trade-off, and I very much miss New York City. Um, and but there's also a huge trade-off when you live here. You have to give up a lot. I'm sure everyone here has similar stories. And uh, when you uh, decided to write about it, uh, you thought back to Joan Didion's 1967 essay, "Goodbye to All That." Oh yes, it's an essay I must have read for the first time in college in the 80s, and it's just such a perfect essay. Megan Daum, your piece, which you've called "My Misspent Youth," was originally published in the October 18, 1999, New Yorker. Had you been inspired by Joan Didion's essay when you wrote that 14 years ago? I had been inspired by it. I think any especially woman, especially, you know, young woman writer of a certain genre is always inspired by Didion. I was actually also inspired by The House of Mirth with that piece, Edith Wharton's novel, The House of Mirth. My essay, it had to do a lot with money. It was about going into debt, essentially, and how I had to leave New York in 1999 because I was about $80,000 in debt. Were you aware at the time that Joan Didion had moved back to New York of in course, 1988? Of course, of course. I thought, well, if here? I leave now, I can come back, maybe. Well, as you say, you talk about the financial difficulties of living in New York and how that contributed to your leaving. In the introduction to your piece, you write that when it was first published, it had its share of de- detractors. 
What were they complaining about? Well, solipsism, narcissism, whining. Uh, you know, the the essay, it's very much a love letter to New York. Um, uh, but I think any time you talk about a personal experience, there's going to be people who are criticizing it. It's funny, I went on uh, WNYC, um, I think it was Brian's show, actually, to talk about the piece uh, back in 99 when it came out. And somebody called and said, well, why don't you just take a walk in the park? You know, that's free. What are you, <laughs> what are you complaining about? So, you know, I, I have my critics. Well, when you live uh, outside of the city, you have to own a car. There are all sorts of other expenses, aren't there? Isn't yes. there a trade-off? Yes, there are. I ended up moving to Nebraska in 1999, shortly after that piece was published. Um, and I did have to have a car, but I saved money in other ways. Ruth Curry, you refer to yourself as a non-native New Yorker in your essay, Out of Season. Where are you from originally? I grew up in a really small town in rural Illinois. And when did you come to New York? I moved here um, pretty pretty much immediately after I graduated from college, which is 10 years ago now. Now, you could have gone to Chicago. I could have. That it's was true. a generous big city. Was there <laughs> yeah. a reason for New York instead? It was pretty random, I have to say. Uh, my only work experience in college, besides like sandwich shops and stuff, was I did a couple publishing internships in the Twin Cities. And... Uh, the summer after I graduated, I was very much at loose ends, and uh, an acquaintance of mine just happened to call at the right moment and said, you know, I'm moving to New York. I need a roommate. Do you want to come? And I was like, I just actually had just wrecked my car. <laughs> so I was like, yes, perfect timing. I will totally come with you. And, that's and what how were your first it. impressions of the city? I, I pretty much loved it right away. It, I was, it was so... I'm someone who doesn't actually really like to be noticed that much, and it's very easy here to just blend into a crowd and have no one look at you unless you really want them to. And you say uh, that you notice that you can cry in public and people will ignore you. Really? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I have um, a lot of personal experience with that. And did you feel neglected or did you feel that was a good thing? I actually – something that I really enjoy is, uh, you know – the sense of camaraderie in a crowd that you can get here. And sometimes that takes very strange forms. And for me, that form was, you know, I see that you're having a hard time and I'm just going to act like I don't know what's happening. So you can just, you know, be by yourself in this crowded subway car. Emma Straub, in your piece, Someday, Some Morning, Sometime, you write that anonymity is the greatest gift that New York can offer. Yeah, I it, I think it is. And um, unfortunately, because I grew up here, I feel like it's it's a gift that I don't actually have access to most of the time. Um, you know, when I walk down the street, I, I often run into friends from nursery school, elementary school, middle school, high school, and then, of course, all the friends from college who moved here and, um, you know, everyone I've met since. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I love that, that uh, you know, one can cry on the subway. Um, but I, I feel like too often I'm on the subway and I recognize someone. And so I feel like, oh, well, I, I couldn't burst into tears now, even if I really had to, because that person's going to see and then they're going to tell their friends on Facebook. Emma, don't you think you're unusual in that regard? Most New Yorkers that I know uh, will say at one point or another, I've lived in the city all my life. I've met thousands and thousands of people. And yet I can walk in my own neighborhood and never see anybody that I know. I can go to Times Square where there are thousands and thousands of people and not meet one person. Go to a party and there's a good chance I won't know more than one or two people. 
I don't know. I don't know how they do that. I'm I'm envious. <laughs> I wish I could. That sounds pretty dreamy. But um, yeah, I, I run into people everywhere. Maybe I'm just too friendly. <laughs> you write that your parents only say that they're from New York when they're outside the city. Why? Well, I, you know, my my parents grew up both grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and have now lived in New York for uh, thirty plus years. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I would I think that if they're on the road somewhere, if they're outside, you and you ask them, they would say that they were New Yorkers. Um, but if you, I don't know. I, I think if you if you stop them on the street, they they might not. Um, they would say we're from Wisconsin after all these yeah. years because you say that uh, you feel resentment resentful when uh, recent arrivals call themselves New Yorkers after living only a short time in the city. I do, I know, and I'm afraid that it makes me sound like a, like a horrible misanthrope. But I, you know, I when I when I moved back to New York after college, um, many of my classmates moved along with me, and they instantly started calling themselves New Yorkers, and I was aghast. I couldn't believe it. I thought, no, you have to grow up here to earn that. Um, I've I've softened some. Um, well, many people, many people have told me they've felt like they were New Yorkers way before they ever arrived here. They just <laughs> felt an affinity, just as others say that they can't imagine living in any place but a small farming town. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. I guess. I mean, I, I certainly don't claim um, to be right in this regard. And in fact, writing this essay um, was really a, a way for me to sort of work out those feelings. I think. Do you think <laughs> that? A therapy session. Do you think that growing up in the city diminishes its allure? I think that it it makes it like your hometown. You know, I um, I I never I didn't romanticize New York until I was in high school and romanticizing everything um, because that's what you do when you're 16. Um, but yeah, I, I think it makes it seem just like any other place, um, and you take for granted all of the um, you know. The, the opera and the museums and the music and the all everything else. Um, yeah, I do. I do think you sort of take it for granted a little bit. My guests are Emma Straub, Megan Daum, Ruth Curry, and Sari Button, who uh, actually is the editor as well as a contributor to a book called Goodbye to All That: Writers on Loving and Leaving New York. It's published by Seal Press. And sorry, you say that when you were originally planning this book, you you thought of only including writers who'd left New York never to return, and then you changed that. I did. Um, well, I thought that a book with 28 um, essays that had the same arc would be really boring. Um, and I also um, started talking to friends in the city who said, oh, you know, I'd love to contribute to that. And then I realized, you know, it doesn't have to be about each essay didn't have to be about actually leaving New York. I wanted it to be about contemplating loving and leaving New York. And so I even have somebody in there, who, Roxanne Gay, who never lived in New York. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I, I liked. I wanted to get it. I wanted to get people talking about the concept of leaving New York, what it would mean. Well, there are people in this country who know they hate New York without ever having been here. They've told me, "Oh, why would you live in New York? I'd never lived there." Yeah, and, I and they don't think there's anything wrong with saying something like that, even but, though they'd be very upset if I said to them, how could anybody live in Alamogordo, New Mexico? This is the most boring town I've ever been to. Yeah, I get a lot of that upstate 
In uh, in your essay, you talk about growing up on Long Island and and t- riding the Long Island Railroad into the city to take part in your favorite pastime. Yes, walking around aimlessly <laughs> in New York City and people watching. And did pe- your parents know that you were doing that? They know now. <laughs> <laughs> My mother was so surprised because um, I was sort of the the good one, and uh, you know. But yeah, I would sneak in to the city. I would say that I was taking the train two stops to Lynbrook. Um, and then I would go all the way into Manhattan. You describe yourself as a loner. Do you think that New York lends itself to that type of personality? Yeah, it was a really great place to be a weird loner. Um, I'm, I'm sort of a mix of loner and social butterfly, but um, it, 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 that New York really accommodated that. There were a lot of places for me to be alone but surrounded by people, so I didn't really feel alone, but I also didn't have to deal with anybody. <laughs> Megan, you grew up in northern New Jersey, and you're the daughter of a composer who worked in the city. He would go into the city and do business from time to time, but he he worked, he wrote his music at home, but he would go into the city. The city was a sort of uh, mythical beast in our family, kind of always looming there. And did he bring you into town with him? Yeah. Um, you know, my essay, my 1999 essay, um, opens with... Uh, um, a, a memory of, of learning how to drive a stick shift and driving into the city from New Jersey with my father. Um, he was dropping off some music for a copyist on the Upper West Side and walking into this music copyist's apartment. Uh, and it was just one of those kind of funky Upper West Side, you know, peel, chipping paint and clanking radiator. And I was just struck. I just... I have to live here. I have to live in a place like this. I have to have this kind of life. And it was a seminal moment. There was before I walked into that apartment and after I walked into that apartment. And you say hardwood floors came to symbolize New York for you in public radio. (laughs) Well, isn't that the same thing? Uh, Hardwood floors have become a sort of uh, motif in my writing over the years. Uh, But yes, you know, there are these aesthetic uh, signifiers that, um, you know, they're sort of silly in some ways, but they're very real in a lot of ways. You know, the, the NPR playing, the, the, the WNYC coffee mug that I that I was very uh, taken aback that I couldn't get a, a tax uh, deduction for <laughs> back in the day. Well, you can rarely get a tax deduction for anything that costs so little. Uh, I tried, did, did though. Did your tax I was desperate. accountant tell you about I, that? I, I, I don't know. I <laughs> Well, but it's is it different? Do you think than uh, for you than someone like Ruth, who comes from a small town in Illinois? You came from the suburbs, in a way, from an area that's connected to New York City. So, to many people in the rest of the country, you were a New Yorker. Well, my parents are from small towns in Illinois, as a matter of fact. So, I think that I inherited some of their awe and some of their intimidation about New York. Um, It wasn't until I went to college where there were a lot of people who were from Manhattan that I felt like, wow, I'm from New Jersey, and that's a very different place. I'm talking with Megan Daum, Emma Straub, uh, Ruth Curry, uh, three contributors to a new book called Goodbye to All That, Writers on Loving and Leaving New York. It's from Seal Press. Also with us is Sari Botten, who is the editor and one of the contributors to the book. And we will continue our conversation after we take a little break. Stay with us. We are back with Sari Botten, B-O-T-T-O-N, who is the editor 
and one of the contributors to a new book called Goodbye to All That, Writers on Loving and Leaving New York. It is published by Seal Press. Also with us are Ruth Curry, Megan Daum, and Emma Straub, who've contributed to this this book. And uh, Ruth, uh, you talked about coming here from a small town in Illinois and loving it, but then you also say there were the crowded subway cars, the high cost of rent. Were there other things that you disliked about New York? Um, I actually did not. There was nothing I disliked about New York. The reason that I ended up leaving was that um, I fell in love. And um, my boyfriend at the time got a job in uh, New Zealand, actually. And so after much uh, after much agita and soul-searching, et cetera, um, I moved out there to be with him. Well, how are you going to keep him down on the farm after they've seen Wellington, New Zealand? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, were the things that you liked about living in New Zealand? It's beautiful. It is stunning. That's true. Um, and I did like that. It, every every day when I made dinner in my kitchen, I would just look out and see this view that was like, it, it's it's, al- it's almost just impossible to put into words. And um, I there were I'm trying to think of other things, <laughs> but truth be told, it was a very unhappy period of my life, and I miss New York a lot. And then you came back. But then, then you moved on to, to San Francisco. Well, actually, um, I when I moved back to the States, I moved back to San Francisco first. I was still with this guy, and we were, like, trying to negotiate a middle ground between us, and San Francisco was what it was. Halfway between New York and New Zealand? Yeah, and... Um, but then we and then but then we split up. And so I was in San Francisco, heartbroken, like wandering around basically without a job, uh, crying all the time. And uh, I and I was looking for work and not super successful. I actually ended up getting a job back here in the city. Well, I'm, I'm going to throw this out to all of you. Uh, could this book just as easily have been about? living in San Francisco, going to San Francisco and then leaving or going to Chicago or going to Boston or going to Los Angeles and leaving. They're all large cities. They all offer uh, certain pleasures, but they also have high rents and they also have dense populations. There were some people on the Internet who took me to task for that and were saying, well, you know, you could say the same thing about any of those cities. And I disagree. I just think New York, there's nothing like New York and um, it just, there's so, it's, there are so many reasons to stay and so many reasons to leave and it has such a gravitational pull that no place else can possibly have. Emma Straub, you left New York to go to college in Ohio. At that time, were you eager to leave the city? You know, I, I never even once thought about it as leaving New York. I thought about it as a temporary situation that would quickly be remedied. <laughs> um, I, I knew I wanted to leave New York for college, um, but I really saw it as as um, a very, very short-term problem, leaving New York. And then um, after graduation, many of your classmates moved to the city. Yes. Uh, and. Was that okay with you? No, no. It made me furious. It made me furious because I felt like the city was mine, um, and they were they were trying to um, take it over. They were they were treating it as if it was their own. Um, I was I was a very unhappy person at the time. But then you went to graduate school in Wisconsin. There are plenty of good schools right here in New York. 
Uh, yeah, but they, they didn't accept me. <laughs> <laughs> that pretty much says it all. That's the metaphor for New York. Well, do you all feel that New York doesn't accept you? <laughs> no, I know. I, I mean, I I was really happy, actually, to, to not uh, go to any of the graduate schools that I applied to in New York City um, because, first of all, they, they cost vast sums of money, and the program that I went to was free. I can't speak for everyone else. What about the slower pace of life in the Midwest? Did that appeal to you? Did the, did the fact that almost everybody smiles at you, whether they're happy to see you or not, did that yeah. appeal? Oh, God, I loved it. I loved it. You know, I, I went in, um, you know, as I said, my parents are both from Wisconsin, and so I'd, I'd spent some time there as a kid. Um, but I really had always... Um, I, let me just put it this way. I, I was never too happy to go to Wisconsin as a child. Um, but when I went as an adult, I really fell in love with it. And with that slow pace in particular, um, you know, my, my husband and I took long walks every day and never ran into anyone. The sidewalks were empty. Um, because everybody was driving. <laughs> maybe. I don't I mean, Madison is, is fairly walkable. Um, but it, it, there just weren't as many people there. And so the, the friends that we made, we, we saw on a really regular basis, whereas, you know, I'm sure all of my fellow contributors, um, you know, agree that in, in New York City it's impossible to make plans with anyone because everyone's running in 16 different directions at once. So, yeah, I, I, loved, I loved slowing down. I thought it was um, sort of like a magical, like, time-stopping device. So you reevaluated your relationship to New York. I, I did, and, and if it had been up to my husband, we, we wouldn't have come back. Um, but, yeah, I, someone mentioned the gravitational pull. You know, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't leave. I can't. I still can't. Um, it's something that I think about probably on a daily basis, especially now that I have a two-month-old baby, uh, and I'm trying to figure out where on earth he'll go to school. Um, well, you, but, you now live in Brooklyn, don't you? I do. I do, do. You, do you think of that as New York? or Bro- Most Brooklynites think of Brooklyn as a separate city. <laughs> um, I, do. I do. I went to high school in Brooklyn, um, and so I, I think of it very much as New York City. It is its own little um, planet in certain ways, but, but yeah, it seems like New York City to me. Sorry, uh, does leaving New York have anything to do with getting older and wanting different things out of life? Well, I think for other people it might. I'm um, I'm a little bit different because I don't have children. I wasn't going to have children. But you uh, did have a rent-stabilized apartment. I did have a rent-stabilized apartment. <laughs> and so <laughs> once you lose that, it's a whole other world. But I do think that a lot, especially for women, um, it, a choice has to be made at a certain point. And it's very expensive to have a family in New York City. It's more expensive than living alone in New York City. <laughs> How often do you visit the city? Very often, actually. Um, in the last couple of years, I've missed it more. I, the first few years, I was okay, and then all of a sudden, I just I have this hankering. And so I, I come in probably a couple of times a month, maybe three times a month now. Um, I'd come more if I could. If I could, if, if I could find a place that was inexpensive to stay over, the hotels are now so expensive. Well, again, hotels are expensive everywhere, but if you're on the road and there's a Motel 6 off the highway, 
Megan, uh, when you got your first job in publishing here in New York, your boss told you that she hoped you had another means of support <laughs> from wealthy families? Absolutely. How did it make you feel to be struggling to get by uh, while you were surrounded by people who had a lot more money and there was a lot more wealth around as well? I didn't notice it in the beginning. I think when I had my first job, you know, I was an assistant at Condé Nast. It was one of those... Devil Wears product kind of scenarios, and I think I was so um, it was so difficult just to keep up with the work and kind of keep myself together that it wasn't until the years really started going by that I started noticing. Gosh, you know, this person has her own apartment. She doesn't have roommates. She she goes to the Hamptons, and and it was just kind of incremental over time. Well, is that about New York? Is that about the haves and have-nots? It could just as easily have happened in Des Moines, Iowa. Well, <laughs> I, I don't. There are not a lot of people in, in Des Moines, Iowa, are um, you know ostensibly having careers as artists and yet having multi-million-dollar apartments. So it's a very New York-specific kind of uh, envy and anxiety. Well, I, I kind of hinted at this before. Do you think that the cultural advantages of living in New York? don't outweigh the financial strain associated with living here for many people? I think that's a very personal decision. For me, why I ultimately left was that I felt that the city was infantilizing me. I felt like I didn't know how to drive. I didn't understand what it meant to be in another part of the country, like in a regular place with highways and big box stores. Not that that's something that everyone aspires to be around all the time, but I felt that I was becoming a provincial in that very particular New York provincial way. And when you went to Nebraska, there was nothing provincial about the experience. Ironically. Well, actually, it took going to the provinces, so to speak, for me to become less provincial. That's just my particular trajectory um, and how I kind of uh, experience things. Ruth, when you came back and you went to San Francisco, did you feel the same complex emotions about that city as you feel for New York? Not at all. No. I, I like San Francisco a lot. Um, it's beautiful. There's great food. All my friends from college ended up there. But I never felt, I, I, thinking about what Emma said, I think one of the things that is unique to New York from all the other places we've mentioned is um, it makes you work so hard to feel like you belong here. And none of those other cities really do that. And it's one of those, I think it's one of those sort of striving, questing emotions that one, especially when you're young, it has a, has a lot of pull. Um, and, uh, yeah, I did not find that in San Francisco. Well, uh, I think there are trade-offs in every city. In San Francisco, uh, it's a much more relaxed atmosphere. Sure. Great bread. But if you... <laughs> But if you walk into the center of town, panhandlers come up to you very aggressively in a way that they don't here in New York. And uh, I, I found that rather unpleasant. And I thought, gee, what would it be like to work here uh, and find out oh, pretty much all my coworkers were off having coffee at 3 o'clock in the afternoon while I was working hard because I'm a New Yorker. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's kind of the dirty secret about San Francisco. No offense to anyone who loves it, but it's actually very unpleasant in lots of ways. It's cold. It's rainy. The, the like, uh, it's, it's very dirty. Uh, speaking as someone who's lived in New York for a long time, it's still kind of... And like, New York had a reputation for being dirty. San Francisco, San Francisco is dirtier? That's why it's a secret. <laughs> <laughs> well, I live in Los Angeles. Angeles now, so I'm happy to hear uh, people uh, trash-talking San Francisco. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you're laughing, Emma. Uh, oh, yeah. San Francisco is filthy. I completely agree. 
<laughs> well, you wound up, Emma, returning to the city. I did. Uh, and what brought you back uh, after all of the problems you had with it? Um, well, I mean, I, I think I agree with, I think it was Megan who just said that, you know, going to the provinces made you feel uh, less provincial. Uh, I felt that way, too. Um, and I think I might have stayed gone um, if my family wasn't here. My parents are here. They're now 70. Um, and, you know, my husband and I were starting a family. And so it just, it really makes, it made sense. It made sense for me to come back. Um, you know, now I have a wonderful nanny who is also my mother. Um, <laughs> and she's free. It's great. She comes over. She brings sandwiches. Um, you know, and that, uh, if I lived somewhere else, um, I wouldn't have that. So I, I, I really, in the end, I, I, I'm, I'm far too attached to my parents to go anywhere else. What do you miss about life in Wisconsin? Um, fried cheese curds on every menu. <laughs> um, I miss, I miss quiet, really. I mean, I, I miss feeling like the days were much longer, uh, because there wasn't so much to do, um. You know, and I and I mean that in in a in a really lovely, relaxing way. I was actually in Wisconsin this past weekend um, for a book festival, and it was it was heavenly to just feel like I had the time to just take a walk, um, and life was less less hectic. Um, and I and I miss that, and I hope someday that I can have that again, so, uh, whether it's here or somewhere else. Megan, no. you're in Nebraska. No, I oh, live in Los Angeles now. Oh, Los Angeles. I, I I made it about four years in Nebraska. People well, thought people I would be back in six months. People just wanted around so much. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm a little itinerant, but you know, as as Joan Didion said, in California, you literally run out of continent, so there's nowhere else to go. Well, when she moved back to New York, she declared herself bi-coastal for a while, and then she finally settled back in New York. I think that was in the days of cheaper hotel rooms. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, sorry, um, if you'd asked male writers who'd come to New York and then decided to leave for their reasons, would this book have been all that different? Um, I think it probably would have been a little bit different. And, um, you know, some of my favorite essays about leaving New York are by men. Um, Goodbye to 48th Street by E.B. White, The Colossus of New York by um, Colson Whitehead. Who lives in Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, Luke Sant's um, My Lost City. Those are all really great essays by men. And, um, you know, I, I don't really know what their reasons would have been if I had had men in the book. But you made that decision. You, you, you changed your decision to only have it with, uh, written by women who'd come to New York and then left. The but decision was made for me by the publisher. Um, I, I, it was my preference to have it co-ed. And I had some, some good writers lined up. Um, but uh, I'm also really happy with the book the way it is. And I also think that there's a way that women can relate to the Didion essay that men probably can't. So it's maybe appropriate. And on top of the, the wonderful writers we have on our show, you also have Anne Hood, Danny Shapiro, Cheryl Strayed, and uh, a lot of others. Uh, were they all eager to contribute? Yes. That was the great thing about this topic. Um, nobody said no. Everybody was so, you know, that's the thing about that essay is that I think a lot of writers have thought about it, you know, their relationship to New York City related to the Didion essay, and a lot of people have wanted to write their version of it, although, you know, it's it's singular. It's, it's a very special essay that stands alone. Well, let me ask the people who are with us, 
Uh, Megan, when you were writing your piece, were you thinking about Joan Didion? Oh, it's hard to say. It's been so long. I mean, you're always, she's kind of in my ear, just her cadence, her, her rhythm. So um, I guess so always. Yeah, she's always there. Well, yours was 1999, yeah. but uh, could you have written another one more recently? Well, I did. Would I, it be very different? Um, I did write a preface to the essay. So um, so I talk about kind of the life of, of the piece. And, you know, I, it's in a lot of ways, it seems dated. It's t- kind of a time capsule. I'm complaining about rent being like $1,000 for my one-bedroom apartment. But I have to say that in the, you know, more than a decade since it's been published, I don't think a week goes by that I don't hear from somebody for whom that piece is still really resonant. And Ruth, uh, were you thinking about Joan Didion when you were writing your piece? I certainly reread it before I attempted a first draft. Um, my story is so different from hers, but uh, I mean, I feel like that line that everyone remembers that New York is for the very old, the very young, and the very rich, I still think about that every day. Well, Joan Didion is getting on in years, and I think she's very comfortable economically. <laughs> I fall in none of those categories. <laughs> and Emma? Um, I, was, I was about six months pregnant when I was writing this, um, so my brain was, was basically like oatmeal. Um, so I don't think I was thinking about Joan Didion. I was, I was really thinking about, um, you know, how, how each sentence would follow the next, you know, follow the last. I was just trying to um, use my brain while it was still present um, as much as possible. The book Goodbye to All That, Writers on Loving and Leaving New York, is published by Seal Press. My great thanks to Sari Button, who is the editor and one of the contributors, and also to Ruth Curry, Megan Daum, and Emma Straub. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.